Hey everyone. So I wanted to share with you all uh, some of my thoughts after a few recent rounds of self-reflection and conversations I've had with some of you. Originally, I was going to turn these thoughts into short posts for Instagram, um, but as I started writing, I realized making it into an episode um, was the better choice. So today, I'm going to share some quick thoughts on self-criticism, anger, justice, and tough shit. I titled this episode, Emotional Devaluation Part 2.1, because my thoughts are a direct result uh, from the subject matter of Part 2. So this episode is meant as more of an, an addendum or a compliment, but these thoughts are not beholden to emotional abuse. They are applicable to anyone who has experienced a traumatic event. Anyone going through the healing process can and will find moments of self-doubt, self-criticism, anger, and a desire for justice. So this episode is for everyone, really. And since this is an unscheduled episode and a departure from the regular series format, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in. Um, and first, first and foremost, I want to give a huge and heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I truly hope the information I am sharing continues to be informative and educational in some capacity. Thank you also to those who have reached out to me directly to share your thoughts, your insights, your, your stories. It really means a lot to know that this show is resonating with you and helping you in, in some way. Now, as I said in, um, in, the, in the last episode, um, Emotional Devaluation Part 2, the effort um, that I put into making it uh, mentally broke me down as it, as it led to the reopening of some wounds and the processing of new information. And most of the stuff that affected me the worst will not be discussed publicly unless it serves an educational or informative purpose for future content. And as of right now, I have no, no plans to cover those subjects. So as I said, I did quite a bit of self-reflection after making uh, the part two episode. And also during my preparations for the next one, uh, which will be on uh, insecure relationships. The first thing I became um, aware of during this reflective time was how overly critical I had become with myself. I really had reached a point of quitting this whole thing because I was just emotionally drained and just tired of reliving this shit over and over again. Like, like Groundhog Day, right? But the emotionally abused survivor version. Self-doubt. It had crept in and taken root. And the, the, intru and the intrusive negative thoughts instantly followed by. And it's the, it, it's the negative thoughts like, you know, I'm not reaching anyone with this. I'm not helping anyone. Um, hell, I'm, I'm probably not even speaking clearly. Um, and, and I'm most likely 
talking about shit no one really cares to hear. It was all of that, that self-defeating commentary, which only makes a bad situation worse um, and inevitably, at least in my case, led to overly self-critical thoughts um, seeping into other aspects of my life, um, such as thoughts on the ending of my marriage, right? I should have done things better. Had I never upset my ex in the first place by standing up for myself, then maybe I wouldn't be here right now talking about all this. Or uh, did, did I really have to get upset that much about all the lying? You know, I know I could have done things differently and tried harder uh, to, to show her I was uh, deserving of, of earning back the love she was increasingly withholding more and more. Um, what's another? Uh, if only I had chosen right to to not ignore all of the red flags in the beginning uh, and stood up for myself sooner it, it it maybe it would have been this bad you know and and why did i allow this to happen you know how pathetic of a man must i really be to continually let her abuse me and and i'm telling myself all of this all right i i I am telling myself all of this, despite knowing the reality is the opposite. And despite knowing that I have no control over how or why my ex chose to abuse me in the way she did. But I found a note the other day. And um, it was a note that I had taken um, uh, from listening to an interview that Andrew Huberman did recently. Um, now, I, I failed to write down where I heard it from, so I guess it's not that good of a note. But um, and, but for those who don't know who he is, Andrew Huberman um, is a doctor of neuroscience um, and hosts the Huberman Lab podcast, which I highly recommend you check out, um, preferably after you finish this episode. But this interview that he gave was on another podcast, not his own. Um but again, back to the note from there, there's two key points that I jotted down. The first one was on the topic of self-criticism. And the comment was roughly this. The quickest way you can ruin your life is to become stuck and admired in trying to control the past of yourself and someone else. And this is so fucking true. It is that Monday morning quarterback mentality on steroids. When we allow the self-critical thinking to take root and grow in our minds, we begin just to pick ourselves apart, trying to relive past events or judging ourselves unfairly for those events. And when this type of thinking creeps into the minds of abuse survivors, we start to relive and judge ourselves unfairly for how and why we were abused. And this becomes nothing more than just punishing ourselves and degrading ourselves for lacking the clarity then that we have now to have better protected ourselves in that moment. 
we become um, um, absolute and total assholes to ourselves for someone else's behavior. As if the abuse we've been through or the trauma we've been through to begin with wasn't enough. We begin to pile more shit onto our wounded self and start you know, punching away on ourselves like little tiny emotional Tyler Durden. And I hope some of you get that reference without Google or I'm showing my age. Uh, we, we cannot, we cannot control the past. We cannot go back and do it differently. We cannot go back in time and make someone else not be abusive. Not be an asshole. We can't make them put that shopping cart into the corral rather than a few centimeters away from my car. We just cannot do it. Even with time travel, to the best of my understanding, we still can't do it. It is done. It is in the past. This shit happened. We can either learn from the experience or let it destroy us. But we cannot go back. And we cannot change it. And I'm speaking specifically about that self-criticism that keeps us mired in negative thinking and essentially shaming ourselves for not undoing shit we cannot undo. I'm not talking about that self-criticism where you're giving yourself some feedback that you then action into, you know, you know, oh, I'm going to relive, like, I'll, I'm going to re-listen to, what, as some of you said, oh, episode one, and the sound was in, out, in, out, in, out. Well, you know, ah, I shouldn't have done this, or I should have put the mic here, you know, feedback. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kind that gets you stuck um, in a negative thinking cycle where you are shaming and blaming yourself for not being able to undo shit you cannot undo. It is that thinking that keeps us frozen. It keeps us stuck in a place, fixated on an event in time, focused on choices we no longer can make, and it becomes growth prevention. Sometimes it's work avoidance. Sometimes it's a way to be angry ourselves because we lack the ability to express our anger at the person or the thing responsible so it's a way to get justice find fault because we can always turn inward if we need to find someone readily available to blame for the sake of blaming all right so for the second point that I jotted down. Huberman is now talking on the subject of working through tough shit and understanding the fact that there's going to be tough shit you just need to accept and move on from. And you've got to determine what those what that tough shit's going to be. And it's the, you know, it's the kind of tough shit that comes with no closure outside of the reality that it exists in. 
And it's the kind of tough shit that inspired him to go on, I think, like a six-month totally immersed quest uh, to work through and process and move on from some event that he experienced. He became uh, crazy frustrated with the fact that after a, like a multi-hour section, and I know I'm butchering up some of these details, but the, it's the overall point. I'm just kind of haphazardly giving you background on it. But at the end of X number of hours on a session, he was just still as angry and emotional as when he started. And it was this friend, a scientist or therapist, or hell, it may have been both, I don't remember. Uh, but what it's what was said to him. Right, that really hit home. And, and that was this. And this is the person I'm speaking to Huberman says, your personal sense of justice is synced with your personal sense of anger, like an iron rod, and you need to relax it. And it was this statement that made it all click for him that he had been, I don't know, clinging to this uh, overwhelming sense of anger as it was attached to justice. When someone was wronged, he was angry. When he was wronged, he was angry. There was an ironclad um, synchronization between his sense of justice and his sense of anger. And he said once he heard it that way, it was like a, a, a moment of relief, and he started to let go of what was holding him back because you can still have a personal sense of justice that is not overridden or guided by anger. You can still seek justice without seeking vengeance, without becoming the person who wronged you. And it just makes sense. You know, it really does. Well, to me. And, and, and it's not in a, well, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to go run off and do that right now kind of way. It's more of a, okay, that does make a ton of sense. And, but this is where I know I am right now. And over there is the end state. And so what do I need to do to get me over there? type of thing. That's what this is. It's the stepping back, recognizing the end state, assessing where you currently are emotionally, and then beginning to map out the steps or areas where work needs to be applied to make it to that goal. We're only going to move, you know, as, as fast as we are ready to move. And we're only going to progress as far and as fast as we are ready to progress. And it is not a competition with somebody else, you know, or a book. There is no timeline. It's not scripted. You know, it's constant learning, reflection, assessing, um, Realizing what works, what doesn't. And then moving forward. Right? But it's realizing that you can do all of that without being driven by anger. 
because you just want answers because you want closure because you want to know why you were made to feel that way. I was asked a very simple um, question the other day, which is uh, honestly what got this whole thing going, got me thinking, checking those notes and it, and it inspired this recording. It was very simple. It was this. Do you feel anger at times? Simple question. It was so simple of a question that I gave a very fast, like, you know, quickly typed knee-jerk response. And I didn't put much thought into it. it. Sounded good. And it was this. I do get angry. When I go back and I look at things that happen, it's definitely not as pronounced as it used to be, but I still have it happen. And and I and I and I think that is a you know, after careful consideration, and I, and I went back and I addressed it, um, but it yes, it is accurate at times, but I also think it's more wishful thinking <laughs> because the longer I thought about it, and definitely after considering these two points that I just discussed. Man, I do still get angry. My my personal sense of justice is super glued to my personal sense of anger. And it has been for a while. I tend to internalize and empathize with the suffering and strife of others. I get angry when I read about social injustice. I get angry when I learn that an innocent person been wrongfully convicted for decades. Um, I, I, have, I have sat with and interviewed mothers um, whose children were ripped away from them at the ages of 12 to 13. The boys were sent off to be fighters for their captors, and the girls were auctioned off and sold into sexual slavery. And I was enraged. And that is putting it very mildly. It's enraged. I've been furious when I've had a close friend of mine come to me to let me know that they have been screwed over. I get angry when I hear stories from other abuse survivors about what they went through. And I know I'm doing it. And I know I need to hit the pause button on it. And I've got to relax that bond because I know my anger and more so when it's at a high level really does nothing to affect the, affect the situation other than make it worse. It clouds my judgment. I stop thinking rationally or I'm more prone to not thinking rationally. I'm more prone to reacting. And I'm not, again, I, I know I'm using some of these words. And I'm not talking about like reactive abuse. No, you, you, when you're being abused and you react, yes, you're coming out with anger. And no, this is not tied to that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about that personal sense of justice. Now, I, I guess it is kind of tied to that. Um, 
because you're standing up for yourself in that moment. But in, in, in those instances, I'm, I'm not speaking specifically of those instances. But that anger is definitely not going to control anything that's in the past. It's not going to control the future actions of people either. It may aid in the influencing of those actions, but it doesn't control them. And I know that I do this. And I know it is because I want justice. And when I see injustice or the probability there will be no justice, I get angry about it. And victims of emotional abuse want and deserve justice. They want to know their abuser was held accountable. They want to see justice. And they want to see it applied with the same consistency as other forms of domestic violence. The legal definition of, of, of domestic violence in the majority of, if not all, states it includes emotional abuse. It is a criminal act. In my state, domestic violence um, is described as a pattern of behavior, a method of control. It's a means of establishing a hierarchy of power within a relationship in which one partner dominates the other through the use of physical violence and or psychological abuse. But getting justice for emotional abuse victims is difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. You know, emotional abuse is devastating on a victim. Victims can be pushed to suicide. You know, they having long-term health effects, left financially destitute, uh, emotionally scarred for life in some cases, but we find it easier to prosecute physical and sexual abuse. And I personally feel it is because those are two known quantities. There's a physical, there's physical evidence involved, right? Lots of legal precedent rely on doctors, et cetera, but emotional abuse has some intangibles, that you need to consider, like feelings, intent, behaviors, unseen, which is why it's so hard to document in some cases. In most cases, it's hard to document. It's unseen. You're physically abused. There's something visible. Emotionally abused? Hell, that punishment can go on for decades. And you're slowly eroded from the inside. But emotional abuse victims are still victims of abuse. Domestic abuse. Domestic violence. And my two senses stay tied. I get angry. I get angry at the inconsistency. I'm angry with the fact that if you were to replace each of the documented episodes of abuse that I was subjected to by my ex, if you were to replace each of those documented episodes of emotional abuse with an episode of physical abuse, I'd most likely be sitting here right now referring to the number of years remaining on the prison sentence. 
instead, I'm on this podcast. And at times I'll share details of the abuse I'm subjected to. Educating, hopefully informing, and wanting to empower others. While my abuser still roams the world freely, still continues to spread false narratives, still continues to abuse through proxies, and is freely, freely continuing on with other victims. Doing what was done to me. Doing what was done to others before me. And it's visible. Very visible. Very easily documented. It's also a big reason why I chose insecure relationships as the next topic. And my personal sense of justice perks up with a hefty side of anger attached to it. But my anger will not control what she does. My anger cannot go back and control what she did. And my anger will not save another person from that being done to them. They're skilled manipulators. They know what they're doing. They will Abusers will put you in full Jonestown mode. True believer. That Kool-Aid will be on tap. And that manipulation is going to take a strong hold. And my anger isn't necessary. It does nothing. It's not going to convince anybody to change. And I just need to, I need to, I need to learn how to detach that from my sense of justice. I gotta work on that. Because it's not necessary. Because can I still seek justice? You're damn right I can. Will I continue to seek it? You're damn right I will. But I can seek it without becoming the monster. I can seek it with a healed mind and a healed heart. I can seek it without rage attached to it. Anger is good to have. It is healthy to feel anger and express it. Just not have it control you. Again, this is still a, hey, okay, makes a ton of sense. But this is where I am right now. Over there's the end state. What do I need to do to get me there, moment? And we can all get to that end state. Again, we're going to do it, though, on our own time and our own abilities. Self-reflection and self-assessment are great things. It's a great tool to plan with. But it still requires work. Focused work. Doable work. It requires education. It requires habits. New ones. Healthy ones. Maybe a new support group of friends, ones that will challenge you, ones that will hold you accountable, ones that will talk to you in terms of growth, ones that will be patient for you. 
ones that'll be impartial. It takes learning. Know yourself, right? Know thyself. Only you know what you can do. Only you know what you can take. And you need to be honest with yourself. I have a tendency to bite off a little bit more than I can chew. You know, I have, I, 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 you know it's like going grocery shopping. When you haven't eaten all day. Everything looks great. All these ideas. Oh, that's good. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And sometimes I'm numbing. I'm just numbing with it. I'm just going to pack this day up. I'm going to pack this week. I'm going to give myself so much to do. Right? Then I fall short. Then I start criticizing. Something's wrong with me. Self-reflection. Self-assessment. That's where it needs to start. Right? Know where you are in the path. And if you need help figuring that out, mental health professionals, friends, books, something, reach out. So um, that was on my mind. Um, Just felt like, again, it started as a series of notes, and I just kept going and just kind of expounded on it a little bit and hit the record button. Um, I thought it would make for a little follow-on to the last episode. Just to kind of keep keep it open, keep it flowing. So, yeah. Went through quite a bit on that one, and, and, and this is kind of what came from it. Learning. And, and honestly, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had a conversation with one of you. So I felt like sharing. You know, abuse comes with pain. Trauma comes with pain. Pain comes with hurt. And hurt comes with anger. And I recently ran through all of those in making that last episode. And I ran through them daily, repeatedly. In what felt like seconds for each iteration. And it was consuming me. I had reopened wounds, taken stock of what was done, and I found myself getting angry at the injustice, at a lack of, of accountability, and mostly at myself for not being able to control my past, not being able to protect myself from the things I now clearly see were ever-present and obvious then. And I realized that this... This was the tough shit that I was forced to go through. And you know what? I accept that it happened. I accept that I will never have the closure that I think it deserves. But I also accept that I can and I will seek justice. And I no longer need to rely on anger now to get it. 
see you all in the next episode.